So I, I get the pleasure of introducing Alex Ilace to you this morning. Some of you might already know him. Um, Alex was actually Holly and I's pastor back when we lived in Pittsburgh, married us, um, and come now found that we sang this morning, we sang at that wedding. So that's a fun little full circle thing for me. But um, Alex is a free church guy. He's currently the young adult and youth pastor for a free church in McKeesport. He's here with his wife, Jennifer, and their kids, Scarlett Fisher, uh, Naomi, and Grant. Had a flip there. Um, so definitely take, take some time to say hi to Alex and his family if you get a chance. Um, but he's going to share with us today. Alex, you can come on up. Uh, and the most important thing you need to know about Alex is that he is a huge Baltimore Ravens fan. Is that, is that right, Alex? <laughs> that is totally not true at all. Those are lies. Wow. You really, wow, that was, you really threw me there. <laughs> that was a good one, buddy. Well, good morning, everybody. It is very good to be back with you. Um, it has been a long time, and I want to thank you for years of support and prayer. It is Church Multiplication Sunday, ironically, and we were church planters for nine-ish years in Pittsburgh, in Mount Washington, which is my hometown, where Jennifer and I and our, our family and a, a good core group of other folks started a church in our living room and um, expanded it a little bit. The Lord did that, and uh, it, was, it was a great and challenging time, and for the past two years, we have been at First Evangelical Free Church, which is a free church in McKeesport, and we love it there. We're glad to remain in the Allegheny District, and um, thank you to Cody and Holly for hosting us. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of room in their house, so we, it was really tight, um, so hopefully they'll get a bigger house someday, but uh, no, I, I mean, they have a great house, but uh, they're also using it for God's kingdom and God's glory, which is uh, exactly what we should all do with the the possessions that God gives to us, so praise God for that. Um, I, I thank Matt for uh, giving me this opportunity, and let me make sure I thanked everybody that I'm supposed to thank. Wrote it down on the little golf pencil. Cody already introduced my, my family to you, so I'm really glad that we get to be here together. Um, I think that's all. Did I cover it, honey? I think I covered it. Okay, good. All right, well, I'm excited to get into God's Word with you, so you can turn in your Bibles to First Peter chapter 1. And if you don't know where that is, just turn all the way to the end of the Bible, to the book of Revelation, and then just flip back a couple little books, and you'll find some guys' names, like maybe James, and uh, maybe Timothy, maybe some other guy named Titus, and some other dudes, and it's right in the midst of that. It's right after James and Hebrews. So, the focus of my sermon is going to be mostly on the first six verses, but we're going to read the first nine ver verses, so... Starting in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Lord, please use your word today to speak to your people and draw us closer to you. Give us true praise and worship and joy because of what we know is true in your word today. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Has anyone ever seen a good infomercial? How many of you have just watched infomercials before? And hopefully at the end of the infomercial you're like, why did I just watch that? Um, How many of you are suckers for infomercials and you buy what you see on, on television? No? Okay. I mean, like the air fryer. I, anybody have the air fryer? I feel like we should all have one of those because it, it truly could be life-changing. But anyway, at the end of most infomercials, or at some point in the midst of an infomercial, an infomercial, if you're not sure what that is, is just a big televised commercial. And it usually lasts for like 15 to 20, even 30 minutes. And it just keeps on going. And throughout the infomercial, I mean, they make this product. It, it can cure any disease. It can save souls. It can do anything because at least that's what you would think because the people who are a part of the infomercial, the informational commercial, are just astounded the entire time. This is amazing. Taste this. Oh, it's the best food I've ever had. Or if it's a cleaning product, the the ShamWow, you remember the ShamWow? It's like, the ShamWow. Oh. You're going to spend so much money on paper towels anyway. ShamWow, look at how clean it gets. I've never seen clean like this. This product just cleans like no product has ever cleaned in the history of cleaning products. <gasps> you got to get one. And not only you get one, if you act now, you're going to get two. <gasps> <sighs> it is amazing. Now, we know that the people on those infomercials are paid And that maybe they really feel that way about their product, but probably not. They're trying to sell something to you. But in this text, the way that Peter responds to the truth, to the the information that is being given, does produce true joy, does produce an astounded feeling, an emotional response, a Wow, I get to have all of that? And that's not all. There's more to come. It is the best kind of infomercial that I have ever read. Because it's true. 
So Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, verse 1. Peter is an apostle. He is one of the, of the chosen and select few who walked the earth with Jesus, who saw him do all of his miracles, who got to experience <laughs> eating meals with him, living with him for years, just seeing Jesus face to face, touching him, being with him. He actually says that later on, that, that we were eyewitnesses to what he did. This is Peter, the apostle, writing this letter to God's elect, to strangers in the world, to basically a whole bunch of people, Jew and Gentile, throughout the Roman Empire provinces of Turkey. It's not just a food, it's a place. Okay, So that's who he's writing to. And there's really three main things that, well, there's a lot more than that, but that, that I want to focus on. Number one, God gives us the greatest gifts. We've all been given some, some good gifts. Okay, maybe, maybe somebody got you a new pair of shoes. Maybe somebody got you a, a beautiful bouquet of flowers. Maybe somebody got you a car. Peter, I actually got you a car. It's out there. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll give it to you later. Those are some great gifts. You see different commercials. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, he went to Jared. <gasps> some great gifts. And every kiss does begin with K. You see, it's because kiss begins with K and then K jewelers. I just figured that out. There's some great gifts in the world, but God gives us the greatest gifts. Number two, the gift that he gives to us primarily is shown even more precious when we go through difficulty. See, some gifts, they, they lose their shine when things get difficult or when they get old. But the gift of salvation, of living hope through Jesus Christ, an inheritance that will never fade or spoil, actually is shown more valuable and precious when we go through hard times in our lives. And then last, who God is and what He does actually produces in us heartfelt worship and praise regardless of circumstance. So those are the main points that you're going to hear throughout this message. So to God's elect, I already explained who He's writing to. Verse 2, who have been chosen. So these people have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling by His blood. And then the greeting. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now, it's very, it's very interesting that Peter starts, and don't worry, we're not going to go too, too far down this road, although for me it's really, I actually enjoy it, but he starts with God electing, choosing, foreknowing people in advance. He starts with predestination. God bless you. He starts with that. And it's going to be really important to know that these people have been chosen. They have been elect in advance. The, the, the doctrine of God choosing in advance those who were going to come to Him, those who He was going to draw to Him, actually can and should be a comfort to believers. Maybe a little bit confusing, 
but absolutely should be a comfort. And he starts with that concept. We're going to get into that a little bit more. Remember, he's writing to exiles. He's writing to people who are not feeling quite at home. Not because they're not where they're, they're, they're not living where they're supposed to be, but because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you're not supposed to feel like you totally belong here. So I have a question for you. Do you feel like this is the best place for you? Do you feel totally, I don't mean this church building, I mean just where you are in your life. If There's a difference between being content in the Lord where He has us and just finding so much pleasure in everything that this world has to offer that we're never longing for anything more or anyone more. So are we possibly too content with where we are, with what we have? That can be a challenge for some of us at different times. Peter is calling them exiles because we are, he'll say later, we are strangers and aliens in this world. We are not supposed to feel like we completely belong here. I love to to hang out with my family. I love to eat good food. I love to go fishing at different times. I, I love to, you know, sit around and watch Steelers. Although this season's been a little difficult. But there are things that I really enjoy. Most, of course, my, my family. But that, that's not all there is. See, there, there's that infomercial again. That's not all that there is. God has greater things for us. And if we are feeling just too fat and happy where we're at, too content right where we're at, then maybe today the Holy Spirit is going to stir within you that we ought to be hungering and thirsting for something more than this world has to offer. You see, the Lord wants His people to know that He has chosen them, that He has foreknown them before the foundation of the world, and that they don't actually belong here on this earth. In another place, Paul writes that we are our citizenship is in heaven. And we await a Savior from there, Jesus Christ, who delivers us from the wrath to come. John, the closest friend of Jesus, said that if we love anything in the world, like truly love it more than the love for the Father, then the love of the Father is not actually in us. For the things that are esteemed among men are detestable in God's sight. That doesn't mean that God doesn't give us good gifts to enjoy here and now. But we are to hold those things loosely when compared to the greatest gift that He gives. So, now to verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When is the last time that real praise poured forth from your heart onto your lips? We were doing in the, I don't know if you do it in the ladies study in the class too, but we're doing 
Ephesians in chapter 3, and one of the verses was how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, this love that surpasses knowledge. And it reminded me of a song. Anybody remember the song, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever? Anybody remember that song? Now, maybe people have like a a negative connotation of that song because it's very repetitive, or maybe the line about, oh, I feel like dancing, it's foolishness, I know. Um, Maybe you're like, I don't dance. (laughs) Or maybe you're like, I want to dance. David said I'll become even more undignified than this, so that's not foolishness. I don't know what your thoughts are. But I just remember that song, and I, I hadn't thought of it for years and years and years until being in the, in the class today, and I just remember the first time that I really, really n- believed and knew that God loved me. And maybe for some of you, you've just always heard that, and you've grown up with that, and you're like, of course, I know God loves me, yeah. But, you know, Jesus, he, he refers to one of the the churches in Revelation, I can never remember which one, but he says, you've forsaken your first love. Anybody remember which church that was? No? I'm judging all of you right now. Someone will look it up. Maybe Peter can Google it. But you've forsaken your first love. Let's make sure that we never lose that first love, that we never lose the wonder of that first love. See, Peter had been, he'd been down and out. Remember, he had denied that he even knew who Jesus was. After Jesus told him he would do it, and Peter swore that he wouldn't. And yet he denied he even knew the Savior three times. But the story doesn't end there. The end of the Gospel of John, if you recall, Jesus restores Peter. And he does it three times. Just as Peter denied he knew Jesus three times, Jesus restored Peter three times. He asked him if he loved him. Peter said, yes, I love you. He wanted to remind him of that love. And the Lord wants us to be reminded constantly of the love that he has for us. That the God of all creation really does love us. And he has shown that love by sending his son. And that that ought to move us now, maybe you're not always going to just be ready to jump out of your seat. And there are different moments and there are different ways of expressing, you know, true heartfelt praise. It's not just a one size fits all. But deep within our being, there should often be that infomercial kind of, wow, that's the most amazing product I've ever seen. Only it's about something way better. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, remember that we have not been given what we deserve. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, God's wrath remains on you because of your sin. And you will pay the full penalty for your sin. But it is is merciful that God instead has placed that punishment on Jesus. And so if you trust in Him now, while you have a chance, while you are breathing, there is hope. You can turn and put your faith in Jesus and you can can experience that life. But for those of us who know what that life is, we must always remember that we 
have not been given what we deserve, that God has poured the full measure of wrath out on His Son. By His wounds, we are healed. The chastisement that should have fallen upon us instead fell upon Jesus. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and yet He did not open His mouth. We're going to talk about that more during communion today. We have to remember that God has been merciful with us. I've gotten a few speeding tickets in my life. And there was one time when I was dog-sitting, um, and I had to go, uh, it was Bob and Jen, they lived in Elizabeth at the time, and <clears throat> I was driving to their house from Pittsburgh, and I had to, you know, stay there for the night and let the dog out and all that stuff, and it was late, I had waited tables at Outback Steakhouse, you know, all day and all that, and I was just tired, it was like after midnight, I was driving out there, and man, I just didn't realize that the light was turning red, and I just drove right through this light just right through it, like, just right through it, and hey, there's a police officer parked at the Taco Bell, whoop, whoop, puts the lights on, pulls me over, okay, comes to the, you know, my door, says, you know why I pulled you over, and I said, yep, because <laughs> I'm an idiot, <laughs> and I can't believe I just did that, and he said, you know what, boss, that's the right answer, drive safe and have a good night, he was merciful with me, I was guilty. I was guilty. I had driven through a red light. Red lights, you stop. You don't go. I went. I should have been punished. I should have gotten a fine. I should have gotten a ticket. Maybe points off my license. But instead, he was merciful with me. And I was really excited about that. How much more should we be excited and praise just pour forth from our hearts and souls because we have been given life. We have not been given the death sentence that we deserve. But instead, the Savior has taken that for us. So praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There are lots of reasons to be hopeful in this world. There are reasons... If, if the weather forecast, oh, it's, it's going to be sunny the next couple of days, I, I'm, I'm hopeful about that. Oh, my favorite team got the win. I'm hopeful that they're going to make the playoffs. Oh, I'm eating healthy and exercising. I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm going to start to reflect that in my appearance. I'm hopeful that this relationship is going well. I'm ho- lots of reasons and things to be hopeful for. But because of what Jesus has done, we can have true and certain hope. If you've ever been to a funeral where you weren't sure if the person knew Christ or not, you know how sad that is. Maybe a loved one that you, as far as you can tell, did not place their faith and trust in Jesus, was not born again. And you know what that's like. And then you know what it's like when as much as you could know, that person was born again. That person trusted in Christ, and you know that they are with him now. And the true and certain hope, not, oh, I hope the weather is good tomorrow. Oh, I hope the team wins. No, no, no. I know that they are with Christ. I know for myself that because of what God has done in my life, that the last breath that I take, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I know That is real hope. And we can have that hope. And that 
kind of living hope ought to move us to daily laying our lives down for Jesus Christ, even when someone doesn't want to hear it, even when it's difficult, even when we don't feel like it, it should move us to action. This is not a wishy-washy kind of hope. This is not an infomercial product that works well for like three days and then breaks down. This is real. This is true hope, signed, sealed, and delivered in the blood of Jesus. Can I get an amen? You don't have to do that every time, but I just wanted to for that time. It's because of the resurrection. It's because Jesus didn't stay dead, but rose again on the third day and appeared to hundreds of eyewitnesses. And this is into, verse 4, an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil, and can never fade. It's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. This is an inheritance. Maybe some of you are going to get inheritance when a loved one dies. Maybe you're like, ooh, maybe it's going to be a lot. Maybe it's going to be that car. Maybe it's going to be that house. Maybe you, and I know it's kind of weird, like that I'm talking about it, whatever, but let's be honest. There's a part, if you know that something's coming to you, you're like, I don't want them to die. But when they do, I'm kind of excited to get it. Otherwise, what's an inheritance is like, no, there's nothing to look forward to. There's something to look forward to in an inheritance. Because of the death of Jesus, See, there ha- someone has to die for an inheritance to, to be given, right? Because of his death, we receive an inheritance. We receive what Paul says, No eye has seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And yet he has revealed it by his what? By his what, Wally? By his spirit. By his spirit. That's how he's revealed it to us. So we can have true and certain hope and an eager expectancy at what is coming. Because of the the death of Jesus. This is not something to take lightly. And it's an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. How many of you have ever had a refrigerator break and you didn't realize it until it was too late? That ever happened to anybody? Or maybe you just... You thought you cleaned out the old fridge that's no longer working properly, but the door was shut for a long time. And then you open up that door, and what does that smell like? <sighs> Even just like a water bottle that sits in the, you know, it's hot car, then cool car, then hot car, then cool car. You open up that, and it's like, <sighs> just like a very putrid, pungent odor. Because it's corrupted, because of sin, because of death, because of brokenness. But the inheritance that we have in Christ will never perish, and it will never fade. Why is that? It's because of what I said earlier. It's because God has chosen and elect certain people through no efforts or righteousness of their own. This is a doctrine that ought to comfort us. This is a doctrine that, that... God would choose even one is merciful. Because remember, if we really want fairness, 
Every one of us has gone astray. There is none righteous, no, not even one. The total depravity of sinners is evident and obvious to this whole world. A little, little kid, a year old, you tell that little kid, you put that down, what's that kid do? No! Don't you throw that. Mm. Mine! Everything is self-centered, self-oriented, sinful. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? There are so many scriptures that just teach about, I'm born in sin. I was conceived in iniquity, David said in Psalm 51. So if it's up to us, if it's up to our living a life that pleases God, none of us can do it. And so God, in His sovereign grace that would choose and elect anybody in His foreknowledge, is amazing grace. It also ought to be a comfort for each person Because I don't know about you, but I am really good at still sinning and really bad at always doing the right thing. Paul talks about it in Romans 7. The good things I don't want to do, I continue to do. The bad things I do want to do, I can't seem to do. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's because of what Jesus has done. It's because of the gospel that we can have hope. Not our own best efforts. The the fact that this is kept by the power of God, this inheritance, this eternal life, is good news because we can't keep it. I can barely get food that I brought from the restaurant into the refrigerator sometimes. Oh, I forgot the leftovers. I really wanted to have them for lunch tomorrow. I'm not very good at those things. I'm not very good at much at all apart from God's Holy Spirit. And so it is a comfort to know that on my worst day, when I have sinned again, when I have done what I vowed to the Lord that I would never do again, I have done. When I have been arrogant towards the God who who gave me life, when I have been patronizing towards the wife who is patient with me, when I have been a jerk to kids that don't deserve that, And yet the Lord is continuing to be merciful to me. It's not up to me. It's not up to us to to earn this inheritance. It's kept by the power of God. It will never spoil. It will never fade. It will never perish. And it has nothing to do with our good works. And everything to do with God's grace. So it's kept by His power. Who, verse 5, through faith are shielded. Shielded. By His power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. That, that's more of the, the, the that's not all infomercial. That's not all. So you get the new and living hope now. Friends, if you have known Jesus Christ, there, there should be a new and living hope. I don't care if you've been raised in the church or if you just came to know Him last week. There should be a new and living hope which changes the way we live, which changes the way we think, because it's real. And it's shielded by God's power. It's shielded by His power, not our own, not our ability to hold on to it, but by His power, it's shielded. You can have confidence in His power, not confidence in our own flesh, not confidence in our ability to get it right, but in His power. That's good news for the, for the every Sunday church attender, 
for the, I've been going to church for the last 50 years. Well, you don't go to church. You are the church, but you can go to a church building and worship Jesus there. That's good news for the person who's still struggling with addiction. That's good news for the person who has never even thought about using drugs or alcohol or anything else that would be an addiction. It's good news for everyone in here that God keeps us by His power. And in this, verse 6, you greatly rejoice, though for a little while now you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Sometimes we go through various trials. It's just now occurring to me that, and I, someone can prove me wrong about this or not, but I'm just having a little rabbit trail thought that maybe like eight years ago I preached on this text. And the very next week, I believe, is when the church building that we were renting, when we were church planting, caught on fire. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. So these fiery trials, because I remember Pastor Matt emailing me the next week and saying, (laughs) are you practicing what you're preaching in these fiery trials? Our church building caught on fire. The building was almost a total loss. And I'm pretty sure I preached on this text the week before that. So, wow. But anyway, someone can confirm that or deny that. Or just say, well, I don't think it's true, but it's such a good story. We'll just let it be. But we all go through various trials. And it's good to have somebody else who goes through them with you. It's good to have somebody else who holds your hand. It's good to have somebody else who can encourage you. But ultimately, we're by ourselves. Apart from God. And yet he says, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you through the fire. (laughs) He showed that with who? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? There was another one like the Son of Man who was there with them in the fire. The Lord proves over and over that He is with us in the midst of the trial. And it's that living hope. It's that I know that I have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and that I have eternal life and I have forgiveness now it is that, ultimately, it's, it's the gospel itself that helps to bring us through those trials and gives us hope, gives us the ability to suffer well, gives us the ability to look death right in the face, to look cancer right in the face, to look whatever it is right in the face, and not rejoice in that suffering, but rejoice through it because of Emmanuel, God with us. And somebody today is suffering, somebody today is dealing with something, and you, do, you need to know that God is with you in the midst of it. And He is commanding you to rejoice in the gospel. Not to rejoice in the suffering itself, but to rejoice in the gospel, in the good news, in the midst of that suffering. And that God is keeping you by His power. Verse 7, these have come. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now you may hear all that and say, oh, that sounds really good. Just remember who this was originally written to. Remember that this was in the Roman Empire. Remember that the Roman emperors, a couple of them actually, 
they burned Christians alive because they were Christians. They fed them to lions. They took away their property. They beat them. They imprisoned them because they were Christians. And so like this sounds, okay, yeah, the, uh, I'm, I'm sick or I'm this or I'm that. No one's attacking you. No one's beating you up. No one's threatening to kill you because of your faith in Jesus. If, if they are, like, speak now or forever hold your peace. But I don't think it's happening in most parts of America. But that's what was happening there. So these words carry a whole lot of weight because of who Peter was first writing them to. Every one of the apostles other than Judas eventually lost their life because of their alignment, their alliance, their loyalty, allegiance to Jesus. And so we also are going to suffer. It may not be in those ways, but we are going to suffer because of our faith. And we have to remember that so we're not surprised when it comes upon us. And understand that God is doing something in the midst of that suffering that is of far more value than the pain we experience. Indeed, Paul says, for these light and momentary afflictions are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. Do you remember the kinds of light and momentary afflictions that Paul had? Like, I get a paper cut, and I'm like, oh my gosh. My car, something's wrong with my car, I'm hearing a noise. Oh, oh, life is hard. The light momentary afflictions that Paul had were everything that I just described previously. The imprisoned, the beatings, the mocking, the 40 lashes minus one. And yet that's what he was able to say. Because of the glory of God that he had experienced. Are you and I experiencing the glory of God in our lives? Primarily through the revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Are we experiencing that so that we are able to say, even in the midst of those trials, He is good. I can praise Him and worship Him. Though He slay me, yet I will worship Him. Naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will return. Nevertheless, let the name of the Lord be praised. Are we able to say that? Are we just too comfortable in our lives? If nobody, if nobody is oppressing you for your faith, it's time to push the envelope a little more. Not purposely try and get into arguments with somebody. So you can say, see? Resistance. No, no, no. But, but like our light should shine into darkness. Our faith should make somebody uncomfortable. Not so that we can be difficult with them. That's not the motivation. That's not the point. Peter says later in this text, always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Do it with gentleness and respect. So you're not just trying to be a jerk to somebody. But there ought to be, like, uh, we are infringing on enemy territory, crossing enemy lines, and there's going to be some resistance. And I say that to myself, too, because I'm a pastor, and I can create just this, like, nice Christian bubble and never go outside of it. I used to despise, not people, don't take this the wrong way, but I used to despise the idea of a Christian t-shirt. It's like, I don't want someone to know I'm a Christian because I wear a t-shirt. I want them to know because of my faith. Now I have like 17 Christian t-shirts, okay? 
And that's just like evidence of more and more in my life. Like I'm, I'm moving away from the world and, and just into the church and this and that. And man, like I love the church. I love the fellowship. There's nothing quite like the fellowship of the body of Christ. But sometimes we just got to get outside of that, even if it's uncomfortable, and not use all our little happy Christianese and just like get into the mess with somebody. Jesus was known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He, he was called a drunkard. So if, if some church folk insult us or look crooked eyes at us because we are getting, not sinning, <laughs> okay, don't, in the world, not of the world, okay, but if, if, if we're getting involved in that kind of stuff, then good. God bless you, I think. There has to be some trials going on which come because of our faith, not in spite of it. In verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. There, there it is again. The, that's not all. The, the inexpressible and glorious joy. Is that inexpressible and glorious joy within your heart? Some of you are, are, are quieter people. Some of you are more outgoing. I get it. We, we don't all act the same way. But deep within us, is there that inexpressible joy that no, ma- no matter what happens, I have this new and living hope. I've been born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, through what he has done on that cross. Friends, God gives us the greatest gift. And it produces in us a new and living hope. Whether things are going well or whether we are suffering. You are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Have you received that salvation today through your trust in Christ? If you have, are, is your life pointing towards Him? It, it, is, the, is the joy of your heart and your lips and your mind Jesus? Or is it like only an hour and a half till the game? Boy, I'm getting hungry. Saw those cookies Holly made. I mean, it's good to look forward to those things. But man, they should pale in comparison to the true glory of God. And, w- and all of us fall short. I realize that. All of us, none of us are every moment of every day just going to think about God all day, all night. It's just not going to happen. It's not. Not while we're on this earth. But the Apostle Paul, and I'll close with this, he, he saw something. If you remember in 2 Corinthians 12, he, he was taken up to the third heaven, and he was given revelations that he, he said, I wasn't even allowed to speak of them. I saw things that no one has seen. I heard things that I can't talk about. And they were so glorious, he, he, I don't know what he saw, but he saw the glory of God. And he said, they were so glorious that the Lord gave me a messenger of Satan, gave me something to keep me from becoming what? Somebody has to remember that story. Jennifer? Anybody? She's going to be so mad at me. To keep me from becoming conceited, right? You all knew it. You all knew it. Sorry, honey. Now, what 
did Paul see that he had to be given by God something to keep him from becoming so proud? He experienced the glory of God. He experienced the glory of God in a way that God himself had to give him something to keep him from becoming too prideful and arrogant. And that is what got Paul through his sufferings. That is what got Paul through all of the difficulties that he experienced. Now, you maybe, probably, likely, are not going to be caught up to the third heaven to see and experience what Paul did. But we can daily experience his glory through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it can and should bring us through those times of suffering. The goodness of God, the gifts of God. God gives us the greatest gifts. How amazing is it going to be when we are with him, when we see him face to face. The king who was pierced for our transgressions. Who was beaten for us. Who loved us enough to lay his life down for us. How amazing is that going to be? That glory that is coming. It's the same glory, the same joy that we ought to be expressing now. 